Welcome to the Active Faith Podcast, where faith meets an active lifestyle. My name is Andrew Ware. I am your host, and I am the Running Rev. This is not just any other podcast about an active lifestyle, but join us as we unpack the why behind our activity and how we connect it to our faith. I'm having conversations and exploring the journeys of others as we help to build a theology of self-care, exploring how we care for ourselves by being active persons in whatever way feels best for us as we seek to live out our faith. This is episode 22, and today on the podcast, we have Thomas Hicks. Uh, Thomas is someone I know from down here in the Tidewater area. He is the president of Tidewater Striders. That is the local running club, big running club down here in Tidewater, Virginia. And Thomas joins us today to talk about his journey with multiple sclerosis and his journey as a runner with MS and all of the things uh, that he has gone through to get to where he is in running, uh, even to where he is running the Boston Marathon. Actually, I guess at the time that I'm recording this, he has run the Boston Marathon. Uh, I will have an update for that in the outro of the episode, so look forward to that. Uh, But let's jump in and let's hear Thomas's story for us this in this episode. All right. As I said, we are joined today by Thomas Hicks. Thomas, how are you doing today? Doing good. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. I have, uh, Thomas is, is local here with me, and I've wanted to get him on to help share his story. So, Thomas, why don't we uh, tell the folks, so who are you, where are you from, how are you active, and why are you active? Uh, my name is Thomas Hicks. Um, I'm from originally from Long Island, New York, and um, I, I, was, I served 24 years in the Navy, and uh, I'm active because I need to stay I started being more active to stay in fit uh, for the uh, for the MS uh, multiple sclerosis that I have, and, um, so I continue to do that. And uh, what I do is I I run, uh, work out, uh, hit the gym, stay in the best shape I can to uh, stay healthy. I love seeing Thomas run because one of the things he does is. Uh, he is a, another one of our of our stroller pushers here down in the Hampton Roads region. It's always fun to see Thomas running. And I, I don't know if he set any records, but he's definitely the fastest stroller pusher that I know. Um, and so you can see him out there at races. He's the president of our Tidewater Striders Club down here. Uh, so, Thomas, as we dive in, we hear about this uh, being active in order to mitigate, deal with, uh, cope with multiple sclerosis. Uh, would you mind uh, helping our listeners understand a little bit, maybe a little bit about what multiple sclerosis is, maybe take us along your journey uh, of, of dealing with it over the years. Um, give us a little bit of insight into, into this. Well, about 2008, I was diagnosed. I was, <clears throat> wasn't feeling well. I was uh, working at the Pentagon at the time. I was uh, just not feeling the same as I usually feel. And I got some tests run and stuff like that. And they first told me it was a Persian Gulf syndrome. And then they're like, oh, no, it's MS and whatever, you know, <laughs> Navy, <laughs> military doctors. So I didn't know what it was. And then they started throwing all this medicine down me. And the medicine was making it worse. You know, at the time, I was a single dad of two kids, active duty, working in the Pentagon, traveling. I, I was very busy guy and 
I didn't have time for these pills to make me feel worse. So what I did was uh, I was always active, but what I did, you know, I said, let me get back and let's do some running, a little more running and lifting weights more active. So uh, then eventually I, within a year or so, I moved down here, I guess, uh, working down here. And then uh, I met some run groups and stuff like that, and Hampton Roads Runners and uh, Tidewater Striders, got involved and I started running, just staying healthy. Because uh, the MS takes really pretty much beats up your nervous system. Um, it starts, uh, all the nerves, it starts breaking down the nerves and also it breaks the sheaves of the, uh, the covering of the, uh, breaks the covering of the, uh, the cells of the, uh, of your, uh, see that's with some one of my problem with MS is I can't get words out. <laughs> but um, it just breaks down your nerves, the covers of your nerves. So when it breaks down the covers of the nerves, there's no, there's no getting it back. Once it's gone, it's gone. So that's the thing about MS. It's not just nerve damage. It's gone. You can't mm -hmm. replace it. Can't fix it. There's no fixing any of that. So it attacks your nervous system, attacks your uh, uh, immune system. Uh, people have uh, people go blind. People uh, can't walk. You you know you lose uh, muscle spasm, spasm, all this stuff. So basically, what I basically what I've had over the years, muscle spasms. I've had a seizure. I had a stroke. Uh, it's caused so much havoc in my life. Um, you know, there's multiple times when I couldn't walk, I uh, couldn't get out of bed. Uh, I think the longest I couldn't walk it was like 13, 14 days after a stroke, uh, stroke seizure that was caused with the MS. So it's a very, very, um, very hard disease to, to live with. It's not a disease that you can see. And that's what people are like, oh, you look so healthy and all that stuff. Yeah, I look very healthy. I take care of myself. But you, you just see the battle that's going on in inside, mm -hmm. you have no idea. So, um, and I'm also, I've been blind in my left eye for four years now. And I'm going blind in my right eye. Mm. So, it, that's a tough pill to swallow. And um, so I've been, uh, VA has been very good working with me, low biz and all that stuff. And they're going to send me to, uh, a facility to get you, you know, get training and all that stuff. Uh, and they're, they're going to supply me with computers and things with a phone and all that stuff. But that's a, that's a tough thing. So MS is very, very, um, very hard disease to deal with. I mean, just put it into perspective. Um, when you try to get like life insurance, mm -hmm. you have MS, they don't touch you with life. Insurance. Oh my gosh. But someone that is, has heart disease or, you know, cancer, anything like that, they can get, they can get, life insurance, but you can't. So that's mm -hmm. just puts in perspective um, how bad this, this disease is. And it puts into perspective a whole different level of self-care as what we talk about on this podcast, because not only are you considering what self-care looks like just in a general sense in nature, but you're also considering what self-care looks like in the form of having, um, would you call it a disability? Well, I am disabled. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm officially, I'm officially staying disabled. I don't, I don't consider my, you know, I am a disabled athlete. You know, I compete, yeah. but um, you know, I'm more enabled than disabled. Yeah. Um, so, because I keep on enabling myself to to move on. Um, so, you know, I, you know, the whole scare tactics over the years. There, you might be in a wheelchair. You might this and that and that. You know, I do have a cane and I have a walker. Sometimes I have to use it. Mm -hmm. 
just the just the way it is. But I fight. I'm like, you know, I throw that cane out of the side. I, I whatever I can. I keep continue to fight to get back out. And what running does is running helps me has something to 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 move on to, to fight. You know, to push through and all that stuff. Uh, things haven't been the same. You know, I have to run with a stroller now because my balance is way off. Uh, and then you know I'll fall. Um, so things like that, you know, uh, changes, but you just move on to the next, you know, just keep on pushing through. And, and I know with a disease like MS, it, it does make it very difficult because you have to be a little bit more aware and conscious of what it looks like to care for yourself. I know, um, I had before I, before I had known you had MS, um, I thought you just were like um, Carrie Talent or Jessica Plummer who had been previous and were always pushing kids and stuff like that. And I had made mention, I'm like, man, how fast Thomas could run uh, without the stroller. And that's when I found out you had MS and, and the way in which MS, you know, Carrie Talent and I were having a conversation about it, uh, how much it, it throws off your balance and everything like that. But to see the ways in which you name that you do fight, because I think when we consider whether it's a disease like MS, or we just consider the way in which we care for ourselves on a daily basis, it becomes a fight. It becomes something that we have to be intentional about approaching in that manner. And so when you think about getting out for that run, and maybe you don't feel the best, what are some things, obviously it's different when it comes to having a disease like MS, um, but I'm sure that having MS, there are also mental hurdles that you overcome on a daily basis. What are some ways in which you overcome those mental hurdles that are attached with having a disease like MS that helps you get out on those runs, that helps to get you active, that helps get you to do those things, to take care of yourself in that way? Well, there's a, there's a few things. Years ago, a friend of mine came up to me and it was this quote from a boxer and it went, um, with one more fight, like you have one more round. So basically, you know, I usually, my motto is, you know, one more round. I use that as, as a fundraiser. I've used that as a fundraiser before for MS and stuff. So basically you fight, you get up, today's your last, today's, this is it. It's your last day, it's your last round. So you're gonna go in there and fight today like this is your last round. You're gonna give it everything you got. Mm -hmm. So I go from that all the time, just give it everything I got for that day. like. This is it. This is the last day I'm fighting. You know, this is our last round, so we're gonna do it. So that's why this one more round comes around. And then you look at it as your family. I mean, I've always looked at it like when I first had my, I was a single dad of two boys at the time, uh, raising them pretty much by myself, and uh, I had a full time active duty military job. So you basically had to fight. There was nothing else to do. There was nothing else to do that 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 made me do what I had to do and fight and. and get myself stronger and do so basically you just you have that thing in your head and you just go out and you just continue and that's what I do every day I just continue to fight because I have this thing if I don't continue to do what I'm doing I'm just going to the MS will totally take over my body and that's the fear I have uh I know you know a lot pe people do have fears and try not to have fears and I'm not a very fearful person I don't fear a lot of things, you know, I, and that's what I don't, because, you know, um, I have a, I have a belief system and I believe in it and I know that I'm taking, getting taken care of. And so basically I have that, but you also have that. It's that the thing there saying, I don't want to live that lifestyle for you. Like, I don't want to, I know if I do, if, 
you have a choice in life. You choose this path, you have a better, better path of being safe and doing what you're supposed to do and staying healthy. And you can choose another path that's just going to go take you backwards. Mm-hmm. And you know the results of both paths. So that's why I'm choosing that path to continue going forward. Uh, because I, I do not want to go that path because pretty much I already feel like I'm a burden to people. I'm a burden to my family and all that because of my sickness and then going, going blind and all that. And last thing you want is to, you know, just be, not be nothing, but just, yeah. <laughs> you just can't do anything. So. Well, and I think just, when we think about life in general, we have that we have that idea of things that we want to accomplish in life. I think even for for folks, you know, even if you, you didn't have MS, I think that there'd still be that drive to to push to do something else. And yet, in the midst of having this disease, it not only gives you a different approach to how you're doing this. Um, and but it gives you more to it gives you more in the nature to fight for because you want to continue to be the best version of yourself that you can be. Um, and I know my experiences with people who have MS, uh, you know, I've, I was on a church staff a number of years ago where where our communications person had MS and and watching her and and her journey through it. And, you know, she would show up to work some days with a walker. Some days she'd show up and she'd be walking just fine. Other days. She wouldn't be able to show up to work at all. And, and so it does answer that question of, okay, how am I fighting today? And that's such a cool approach that even uh, even for those of us who aren't who don't have a disease like MS can take into our own understanding of self-care as we seek to care for ourselves. Because, I mean, I ask the question myself all the time, like, like what am I doing? Like, how am I fighting? How am I getting, getting better? Um, and and all of these things. So we see running is something that helps you in terms of pushing you forward. And we've heard a little bit about the struggles in terms of of balance, definitely seen in terms of of sight as you're running and things like that. I can't imagine someone coming up on your left right now probably uh, really messes you up. Um, but uh, it, take us take us through that journey. Uh, you you talked about being a runner before your diagnosis. How long did it take after your diagnosis for you to begin to realize that running could be an outlet for you to help you even in the midst of this uh, neurological disease? Neurological? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was a high school, college uh, runner, uh, competitive athlete. So. Mm-hmm. I always had that, and then I ran a lot when I was in the military, staying in shape. Um, so I know what running can kind of do. So when I got it back into it, and then I started feeling the joy of running again, uh, how much I liked it, and then I started jumping in races and stuff mm-hmm. again. And it was, it was cool to have that competition. And then the, uh, the great organizations around here, you know, um, at the time they had Hampton uh, Roads Runners, uh, you know, Tide Water Striders, which is great mm-hmm. groups. Uh, and then I met a lot of friends through there. So, and I got a lot of support from that. Um, a lot of people didn't know I had MS right away. Then you know, I just didn't tell everybody. But then, then you know, people started knowing I had it and stuff like that. So I had a very strong support group, uh, and I still do. Very strong, strong support group in the area. A lot of good, and I have a lot of good friends because of it. Um, 
and that helps uh, people don't understand other people building you up is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's to kind of, uh, it's always nice to have uh, people not, not rub ego, but to make you feel good to, to like, you know, this is pretty cool that you can continue to do this and, you know, you, you can run it with this disease and you can do that. And it's more inspire other people. I, I've, I've talked before at, at other, I've talked before at churches. I've talked um, at other places before I've done schools. Um, I try to talk to everybody about how bad life can be or bad your situation is and still, you still, still continue to do what you like. I find something that you like can't be, you couldn't, don't have to be running. It could be anything. It could be bicycling. It could be whatever you can do and to enjoy what you're doing and continue doing it. And it can help you uh, get through these, these things. It's pretty rough because I've been dealing with MS, you know, now for a long time and uh, it's tough and it's tough. It's tough mentally. So it does help you. Um, you know, you get, you get depressed when you, you know, things don't work the way you want it to work. You know, some days I can't speak right. My, my, brain doesn't communicate to my mouth or my hand, my hands start shaking or uh, my legs are just not moving the way they said. I mean, I have mornings where I can't get out of bed, but you know, now the hour or two, I'm going to go out for a five or six mile run or something. Yeah. You know, uh, sometimes you just push yourself out. First mile might be rough, but you know, the adrenaline starts flowing in your body and you start moving and everything starts working. And I want to fast forward to 2020 because I, as I hear you talk and as I had experience of being a Hampton Roads runner during the pandemic, to see the way that Tidewater Striders responded to uh, pandemic running, as we'll call it. Uh, again, you know, Thomas is the president of Tidewater Striders. He helps to organize, direct pretty much all of the races, uh, at least from a, from, from a Tidewater Striders standpoint. And I have to say, as I looked around at a way at the way that a lot of different clubs, race organizations, all of these different places were handling the pandemic, there was definitely a way in which Striders, not just because it was local for me, but came out front and center in terms of being able to offer races, being able to offer races safely, um, being able to offer guidance for groups to be able to run safely together, you know, all of these things. Uh, and I and I can't help but maybe uh, attach these two natures together. This way in which you've had your struggles, you've had these obstacles come in your life, and and it's almost as if it it kind of mentally prepared you of saying like of of coming into this pan of when the pandemic hit, of it gave you the opportunity to back away for a second, look at it, and then find a way to respond that was like, no, well, we're not going to stay cooped up here for the next two years. Uh, we're not going to stay blocked in. We're going to find ways to fight, to continue forward. Um, I'm, is there a way that that mindset maybe maybe helped you out when it came time to being a leader in the running community during the pandemic? Yeah, I'm sure it did. I mean, <clears throat> again, I keep continuing to fight. I don't, like I said, I don't really like, to, I don't take no for an answer really good. I'm a guy that... <laughs> Okay, if you say I can't do something, tell me why I can't and how can I do it? So, like, that's how I am with my life with MS. You know, the doctors have been telling me for years I can't do this, can't do that, do this, and I continue to do it. So I don't take no, um, unless it's, you know, so I want to look through everything. So the pandemic hit, we went right into, uh, we did the, the virtual races, 
raise money for our um, for our local um, heroes over here, um, uh, our teachers, our hospital workers. Uh, so, and then we were helping out restaurants by raising money for a race. Uh, we were just we weren't even charged. Some of the races we didn't even charge. We just said, hey, give us donations, and we're going to feed our local uh, heroes, and we're going to use restaurants that are having some problems right now because you know they're not open. So we, we tried to do that first. And then I was thinking, okay, once once this stuff starts opening back up, hopefully whenever, when they give us restrictions, we can start doing live running. And uh, we started live running again in July. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we, we went to play. RCA gave us a nice plan. We worked with the RCA. Uh, we did everything. So basically, whatever the guidelines came out, we just stuck to the guidelines. This is how we're going to do it. I talked to the board. I talked to... Um, race the uh, race committee and said this is how we're going to put this these events on we're going to do it safely and everybody's like let's go and every race that we put on every race because you know it's 250 i think at the time we first two or 250 as soon as we put races out it was sold out within a day or two yeah everyone wanted to get out and race <laughs> and with the striders is we can do stuff like that is because we're not being a non-profit um we don't have to try to make a lot of money. We don't have to pay. We don't, we don't have to pay a staff basically mm-hmm. we're volunteers. So that helps out so much that we could put the events on during, during the, the pandemic. And um, so I just said, let's push, let's push. We push, we put on events. Uh, even when they put us down to 50 at one time in August, we stood at a mile. We still put the mile on. We invited 50 people every hour to come and run mm. the event. So we found ways around everything. And, um, we kept on pushing and pushing. That's my mindset. I was like, we're going to keep on doing it, keep on doing it. And then the whole thing came up with the marathons and half marathons, especially there's nowhere to qualify for Boston. Every, you know, every marathon was getting canceled, big races and all that. And us having Chesapeake and Dismal Swamp, uh, City of Chesapeake was great with us. They worked with us so good. Uh, I know some people say, oh, you know, it's a lot of racing in Dismal to get bored. Where else are you going to go? I mean, <laughs> we, I, we're just going to offer where we can get a place yeah. and be able to put on a race. So we decided, let's do a marathon. Let's get the course measured, get it measured, get it certified, get it measured and certified, and you can make it a, a Boston qualifying. So I went out there, we measured the course, we got it certified, and we, we start putting on marathons. And we have people coming from all over the country that come in and, and go down there and run the race and qualify for Boston and all that. And the greatest thing that I, I the first one we put on, seeing all those people crossing the finish line, you know, this was November. So you had what, about eight months out of the mm-hmm. pandemic. And to see these people just come across the finish line crying, qualifying for Boston, all this stuff, just go motions. And even just to happen, like people just running a race like that, yeah. being able to finish it, the emotions were so, uh, so, over the top so it was great to see and and uh you know we've been tagged in a lot of posts the last year or so with boston people that thank you ty Ward's drivers for letting us qualify for boston and you know putting this race on for us now i'm running boston this weekend and all that so it's it's this is why we do what we do we're here to support the running community but that's that's the push i had to keep on putting it on putting it on putting it on we had a lot of obstacles mm-hmm. people you know they don't understand the stuff we had to go through to put this on backlash from some other groups um uh just you know you know people oh you know you guy putting this on you know people are going to get sick and all this stuff and of course we just follow the guidelines and you know we we did temperature checks we did um 
waivers. I mean, we did everything possible. And we said, if you didn't want to come, you didn't want to come, we'll give you a, a virtual race and, and all that stuff. So, um, you know, we had great volunteers. People still went out there, had their mask on and, and, and did their thing. And, you know, knock on wood, we didn't have one, you know, nice. one, not, and there was nothing that came, no complaint, no nothing that came, came out that anything with COVID happened at any of our events, you know? I mean, you can't, like I said back, you couldn't control where you're going to get it anyway. Yeah. But we, we, it wasn't like we didn't have this outbreak. You know, somebody said, are oh, you going to cause an outbreak or whatever? And, you know, we, we've had all kinds of comments, <laughs> emails saying we shouldn't yeah. do this, we shouldn't do that. And we're like, and we just say, we're doing it by the guidelines. We're not doing anything we're not supposed to do. So, and, you know, we had a draw up for all the cities. We had to draw up our COVID plans. Just drawing up a COVID plan takes forever. You know, detailed, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? So. Um, it's a lot of it's a lot of work, but we did that just so we could give the opportunity for everyone to be on. And so many people were so happy. Yeah. Somebody told me they were having such a rough time in life with the lockdowns. This really, the one marathon that they ran was like, thank you so much for doing this because I was having a really rough time. You know, this is what I needed. It boosted me over the over the hump of getting getting through this lockdown and pandemic. So yeah, you know. That, that's great to know that we we help, you know, we help people and get over it. Because people that run, bike, people that are healthy, <laughs> they like to be out and doing their thing, you know. And um, and if you give them that window, hey, you can do it if you follow these rules. They kind of come out and do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, no. I I am imagining every clergy person that is listening to this episode right now is just screaming into the just screaming into the universe that this is everything that we had to deal with when we were uh, trying to navigate reopening our church buildings, you know, and it really was taking the guidelines. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I think that's why this like fight, like it's your last round mentality really comes forward as you consider what it looks like to, to care for yourself. And then what it even looked like to open up the opportunity for other folks to care for themselves. Cause I mean, when the pandemic first happened, outdoors was just completely told as like, well, it's it's not 100% safe, but it's safer than being indoors. Uh, and so there really was this push. I remember really early on in the pandemic when we still lived in Chesterfield, we'd be at Pocahontas State Park once or twice a week just to get outside, do something. At least we could go somewhere. Um, and then even when we moved down to Hampton Roads, I made it to not a single in-person running event, not because I didn't try, but because it literally was just, they were getting filled up so quickly. Um, but to, to be able to see people and to be able to see an organization who really took that mentality of, you know, we recognize the importance of something like this and we want to make sure it happens so that there are opportunities for folks to care for themselves in the midst of this thing. Uh, and I think for a lot of the folks who work in the church, who listen to this podcast, and even a lot of folks who were just, you know, participants in some way, shape or form, whether it's in races, in church, and they can can hear the way in which, no, I mean, we did want you all to have these opportunities in order to do these things uh, and to know for themselves what it is like to be able to, like you said, fight like it's your last round. I just... I love that idea. I love that concept of approaching self-care in that respect because we need to treat ourselves in that manner as we're seeking to help and fill others. 
Um, and I mean, to even name, like you even got some national recognition for it uh, in terms of uh, the, the Roadrunners Club of America uh, offering, offering to Thomas, you know, this recognition of all the work that he and, and Striders did in the pandemic to be able to continue to offer all of these things. And from someone who benefits from the Hampton Roads running community and the Tidewater Striders, it has been great for us to come around and to do these things together uh, in that way. Um, and so as we kind of come back to your own personal running journey in this, uh, to not bring it back to the MS specifically, but to come back to your own personal running journey, I'm sure that it then uh, comes in and plays a role in the way in which you conquer obstacles. Um, and to name when Thomas says he's running and training for things, um, Thomas is through and through a marathon runner. Um, I believe currently you're training for Boston, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, yeah well, I trained for Shamrock. Boston's more of a fun run. I qualify Bo okay. for Boston because Boston, I'm not allowed to push my stroller. Oh. So I can't. So it's so I always I have a guide. Uh, this year, Dean Stover is going to be my guide. Uh, basically, he runs next to me and keeps me balanced. He kind of keeps keeps all the runners because there's so many runners away. So we're just going to go and have a good. I always just go and have a good time. I struggle a little bit um, always without the stroller and unbalanced anyway. And um, so we, I go in there as a mentality, enjoy it. I just ran my fast marathon at Shamrock. So, you know, I got that knocked out. This is more of just going out and having a good time and enjoying. You work hard to get into Boston. So I think it's just for yeah. me, it's like a parade, you know, it's just enjoying your accomplishments. Um, so we're going to go and, and enjoy that. Yeah. My belief is your first Boston's allowed to be the fun one. If you ever go back to Boston, then you can actually race it. <laughs> Unless you're yeah, elite. I, I raced it once. I oh, raced okay. it once and and I that was that was it for me. Um, <laughs> that was before I needed the stroller though. Now I it wouldn't be it, it would be ugly if I tried to race it. I would fall a million times and probably not make it to the finish. Yeah. So well, so I mean, let's I mean, let's go through uh, a marathon, a training cycle, you know. What are those what are those ways in which you're caring for yourself as you're going through this training cycle? Because even even without MS, a marathon training cycle is difficult. It involves hundreds of miles. It involves long runs. It didn't like long, long runs, like long runs where you're out for three hours, four hours, depending on uh, your pace. It involves I mean. Even even the marathon, the fastest marathon that you just ran, you know, 255, you're on your feet for almost three hours. So so what does a training cycle look like for you? Uh, what does a race look like for you? How are you caring for yourself in those times, even beyond the run? Well, I I just try to, um, you know, I Rob Hunter from Endeavor Running, he's, he's, he coaches me and mm -hmm. uh, he keeps me. Um, guided i used to do my own training but after a while with the ms i just couldn't concentrate like like to just put myself through the training so i kind of need someone to kind of okay you do this you do this and kind of keep me and someone he's been a friend of mine for years knows about my ms and stuff like that so he's been through it he's been on runs with me when i couldn't walk anymore and all that so i have somebody like that um help me guide me through training mm -hmm. is really really great so but basically, I just have the mindset, same old mindset that 
just going to go out with, get this plan today done. Um, but I really concentrate on my body because of the MS. I mean, I, I roll every day. Um, you know, I take Epsom salt baths. Um, I, uh, I have compression sleeves that I put on. I, I really pay attention to my body because my muscles don't work like everybody else's. So I have to wear compressions. Um, you know, you know, William Town on, I used to yep. joke all the time, you know, cause I put compressions like all over my body. Yep. Like I have yeah. sleeves on my, you know, <laughs> on, I'll wear, uh, the 10 K I ran the other day. I ran, um, with two, uh, compressions on my hamstrings just because my legs were still a little, little tight from the, the marathon. So I didn't want any, you know, any issues. So I put two, two sleeves on hamstring, two sleeves on my calves. I even wore ankle sleeves, you know, so I, I do everything possible to keep myself. Um, everyone should do this. All runners, anybody doing anything should always pay attention to their body. You know, uh, don't wait to, to it's really hurting to take, get taken care of. I go to physical therapy every month, which I have to go to anyway for the MS. That helps out a lot. So I just really pay attention to my body. And uh, like I said, take care of it. I mean, you're putting a pounding to it. You do a marathon, you're pounding your body. MS or not, you're hurting. You need to take care of that body. You need to take care yeah. of your feet, your ankles, your calves, yeah. everything. Um, and I still also have, because I pushed the stroller, I also have to take care of my shoulders and my arms and all that, because that's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of work with your shoulders and all that. So that's, you know, but I, I lift about three, three, four times a week as well. So kind of keep myself strong on that because as a runner, a lot of people, most important thing, a lot of runners are, is their arms. So when you can't use your arms, when you're running, it's a little different. So you gotta, you gotta uh, be able to, uh, you're still pushing weight too. So you have to, yeah. you have to make sure <laughs> that stuff, uh, fat, everything. I mean, I just keep, keep, um, just keep a good eye on everything. I think that's what you have to do. You have to really keep a good eye on your body and, and know when it's, Something's hurting really bad. You gotta know when that it sucks, but you gotta know when not to do it. Yeah, uh, I've done it before. I've had some really bad spasms, and I really wanted to go for a run, but I'll take a couple of days off and let everything heal. Yeah, I think I read an article the other day about Elliot Kipchoge, who, uh, for for our listeners, he's probably the greatest male marathoner of all time, um, and he wears compression sleeves on his arms all yeah. the time because he names that. Um, you know, A, it increases blood flow, like you said, and in increasing blood flow, it helps with recovery. Uh, and I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm, now I'm going to have, now I'm going to think about that and I'm going to start probably wearing compression a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, it, it does, it does increase your blood. It does help out a lot and stuff. I don't wear them as much in the summer because it's so hot. Yeah. You really don't need the muscles. The muscles are going to get loose on their own. Oh yeah. Um, but definitely during the winter time and the fall and the spring, I just like it because it just, it does, it increases the blood flow and it just keeps your legs. My, my muscles, it takes me a lot longer to loosen up than anyone else because, you know, my leg motion, my leg motions are not like a normal person. That's part of the problem. My legs just, you know, a little nerve damage. I just, so to kind of have something to help me loosen it up, I'll take anything. So that's yeah. fine. Take yeah. any advantage you can take. That's what I say. Take any advantage you can take. There you go. You, know, you got those Nike Zoom flies and all those yeah. racing shoes that the Kenyans wears up. I'll, hey, 
I got myself a pair. If it's going to call, you know, it's going to give me a couple of seconds per mile. I'm going to take it. Take what yeah. I can. I think a couple, I think uh, like last month, right before, uh, so I ran the 12 miler before I ran the 12 miler, Ryan took me shopping. Ryan Carroll is my coach. Uh, he took me shopping for my first pair of super shoes and I wore those in the 12 miler race a couple of times before. And I was like, golly, these really are, you do get a, there's like a little bit of uh, efficiency recovery of those. So yeah, I mean, it really is. And, and the nature, and we've, I've talked about it on this podcast before of just being in tune with your body. And I, it, it sounds like for you, I mean, it's, it's for different reasons than other folks with the MS and with the disease and the, the neurological and the nerve stuff. But I mean, I think how many active people that that would just be one of the most crucial bits of information that whether it's Thomas or myself could give you is always know what is going on with your body and always be willing to name those things. I mean, I, I can definitely say that, that as I'm getting older, it, it, it takes me a, a, a few extra, you know, minutes to for my body to get into a run. And so uh, I, I now tell myself, you know, I give myself 10 minutes. Like if I don't feel good after after 10 minutes, I'm like, all right, if I'm still not feeling good, then I'll stop. But, you know, I'll wake up, get out of bed and I'm like, oh, I really don't feel like running. All right, well, just get out there, get moving. Then once you get moving like then you determine obviously it's going to be different for for you i mean it's going to be different for a lot of us but to really know and understand your body helps to understand the ways in which that physical activity really helps to give that benefit and that support to the rest of your lifestyle because when we're talking about this idea of self-care of caring for ourselves and what that looks like well if i know that i've got you know something going on with you know, my leg, uh, my hamstring runners are IT bands right there on the outside of the leg is something that always acts up for us. Having that understanding can be so crucial for us. Um, and so doing that bodily inventory can help us. Definitely. Um, so this is a question that I asked all of our strong mothers. Uh, so I had uh, I, that was when Carrie was on the podcast. Um, but, but as a, as a stroller pusher, and I know your reason for stroller pushing is not the same as, as our mother runners. Uh, but I still want to ask you, uh, aside from the balance, aside from having it to balance you, uh, what's the best part about pushing a stroller? Well, I did use, I started pushing, my daughter was younger too. Yeah. So I, so I used to push her in a lot of races. So I did push it for two reasons for yeah. her. And because my wife races too, so it did help out. Cool. And for the balance, you know, for the balance, um, it's not too, I don't know. I just, it's actually, it's nice to have your nutrition there. So basically, you know, I have that the thing sits up there, you can put your nutrition bottles. So it's nice to have your nutrition with you. You know, that's a big benefit for me because I need a lot more nutrition than anyone else pretty much because my body really needs a lot more. So it's nice to not have to worry about nutrition. Um, so that, that, that's kind of the only benefit I see from that. That's yeah. cool about it. Um, cause you know, we, we're pushing extra weight. So it's yeah. not, you know, I mean, that's what people don't understand. It's not just a stroller. It's there's yes. weight in it. And I, and I put weight in it because you can't push an empty stroller trying to go fast because it's not going to go flying. Yeah. You go flying. So you have to put the weight. So, you know, I kind of keep the same weight as my daughter 
because some I still push her sometimes. Uh-huh. I keep that. I'm used to it. That 40, 50 pounds in there, and kind of um, just works out perfectly. So you know, I, I make sure to balance. I have the balance of weight everywhere in there. So, and uh, yeah, I I'm I'm happy that there is, and I'm happy that um, other races let me do it. Some mm-hmm. race like Boston, uh, still working on them. But uh, a lot of races, like from the beginning, Jerry Frostick and JNA was great. I mean, he he got me in there, um, made sure I was, you know, because, you know, usually race directors will allow you to throw over but you're in the back of the crowd. Yeah. Me, I'm running a little faster. So, you know, I would always ask permission to the race for the race directors. Um, and then now, you know, when I go to bigger races, I'll, I'll ask them, they're like, oh, so, you know, I'll even say, you know, if you want to contact Jerry Frostick, you know, he'll, he'll let you know that <laughs> I can do that. You know what I mean? So you have that. Some people, you know, you can say you run this fast, but some people are like, yeah, I don't think this guy can run as fast as a stroller. So if you have someone that can kind of, you know, so that that helped. That I've had that. So um, and then now it's we, you know, now we have a lot of people out pushing strollers and races. It's really cool to see all the dads and moms out there pushing, and it's also some speedy ones, you know. Yeah. You know, Will and Carrie's both really fast with it, and. Uh, there's a couple others. A guy, uh, JP, he's pretty quick. He pushes his child too. He's a fast guy. So there's there's people out there uh, in the community that can push really quick. Uh, you know, Ryan used to push back in the day. He, he did. People. Yeah. He, he, he told he me about the time that he beat Ryan Hall when he was pushing someone. I guess yeah, he started he a little bit. Team Hoyt. Yeah. Yeah. And then he pushed yeah. uh, pushed Team Hoyt, and I know he pushed his daughter in the past as well. Yeah. Uh, when she was younger. So you know this. <laughs> So speedy people that can push a stroller. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll have a we'll do stroller races with, with with striders from now on. It's only only parents with strollers or people with strollers can run the race. Yeah, a little <laughs> stroller division. <laughs> I and and I and I believe we've heard from Carrie Talent that you were also known to to borrow friends' kids in case you need the extra weight as well. Oh yeah, um, I borrowed. I borrowed uh, a justice. You borrowed we're, justice. We're a, yeah, we we would have five. It was a five k, and she wasn't running it. And I already had my stroller and stuff. I was gonna, you know, just push. Just like, oh, why don't you just push justice? I said, okay, give yeah. me a stroller. So she <laughs> took mine. I took hers, and me and justice ran, and we ran a pretty good five uh, k. So there you, you know, go. I've done that before. And if you want to put your kid in there, at least the kid's not a hundred pounds. <laughs> it's gotta be. Under 50, and, 50 and under. Yeah. You know, and, take your and, kid for a run. And like we talked about, I mean, even just that joy of pushing a child in a stroller and just seeing like the joy that they get. You know, I've had the opportunity to run with Carrie as she's pushed Justice and just to see Justice and the fun that she's having uh, and and all that stuff. And and so it's it's even cool on that end of the spectrum of of pushing children, pushing your children, pushing other person's children and and seeing the joy on the kids faces uh because you know I'm, I'm sure there's not a whole lot of other times aside from probably riding a bike that they're going that quick and yeah, they don't my, have to do any daughter, work my daughter i have some really good pictures of my daughter hanging on to the side uh of the stroller and her hair just lit in the wind and a big smile on her face oh man so, that- yeah so i have some really good shots of her races because we, we i race with her all the time yeah. Um, recently, no, because she's getting a little older and she doesn't want to stay in there. I mean, I've done marathons with her. So, um, you know, basic, make sure they have an iPad. But mm-hmm. <laughs> you're good to go. Put a couple movies on it. 
Yep. They'll be good to go. And, you know, when they're younger, they fall asleep too. She, when she was really young, she would just fall asleep. So no big deal. But yeah, she's been through some really, she's been through a lot of races. Now, you know, I, we call it Sandy the sandbag. I put Sandy in there. We use sandbags. I hope you draw a face on that sandbag. Just... No, no. It, it, <laughs> we had somebody yell at it one time, pretending there was a kid in there, but knowing that it was a sandbag, not a kid. And people were like, oh my God, he's yelling at a kid. We're like, no, it's just a sandbag. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, let's hit these end of podcast questions as we wrap up this conversation today. So, Thomas, what is something that you have done that has made you feel accomplished? Uh, what I've done, I would say basically what I it's really not about running. It's about what I've done in my life. Mm -hmm. um, just being able to to, you know, continue what I'm doing uh, in life with this disease. And to be able to, you know, I've raised two sons of my, pretty much on my own. And now I have uh, my family, Julian and Amaya. I would say that's my biggest accomplishment, being, being a father, being a father and a, and a husband and trying to live the best life I can, you know, with the circumstances I'm in. What is an upcoming goal that you have? Uh, my goal is pretty much to keep my pretty much my goal is to stay healthy, stay healthy, stay where I'm at now, stay as fit as I can be. That is my goal. I mean, I try not to put up right now, anything that I've got, I mean, I'm PNR, I'm 50 years old, MMS, I'm PNR, PR and everything right now. You know, I just PR'd my 10 K two weeks after a marathon the other day. So that kind of goal, it's, I'm like, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I'm enjoying every moment of it right now. But my, more of my goal is to just, yeah more life goals and um try to stay as healthy as possible and all this other bonuses these prs and great races that's just all bonus nice that gives me hope that 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 when i'm that when i'm that age i'll, I'll be hitting prs too yeah i mean I, I i pr everything after i turn 50 it's just it's ridiculous and i'm sicker you know what i mean it's, yeah it sense. that's why i don't question anything i just go with it <laughs> <laughs> So who do you go to when life gets tough? Life gets tough. Well, I do pray a lot. And I also, um, you know, I talk to, I have friends that I can talk to and, you know, my wife. So mm -hmm. I have a good balance that, you know, that I, I can, because I have a lot of friends that understand what I'm going through. They've been with me for a long time. Um, so it's, it's really great to have that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, aside from physical activity, aside from running, what are some other ways in which you practice self-care? Um, just try to pretty much keep busy. That's why I'm so active with the striders. I try to keep busy to keep my mind working. You know, not just your body, but you got to keep your mind going too, especially when you have a lot of stuff going down and you're not feeling really good get them down a little depressed it's always good to have something else keeping you going so i would say just deal with the striders and uh getting stuff done for the club and having something to look forward to on that aspect i think that kind of keeps me mentally going and um so i i i, I don't know <laughs> I enjoy it. so i mean you know sometimes it's it's it is for us, you know, those those other activities that we can do, you know, for you, it is 
being really involved with striders. It's just helping others find that love for running themselves. So I, I mean, I think that's great. And I know I've definitely, uh, in the couple of years that I've lived down here now, I've definitely benefited from having the striders around and just having the run community that's been built up. Uh, you know, I grew up in Virginia beach, uh, Back in the early 2000s, I graduated high school in 2007. I remember being part of a lot of Strider stuff when I was, you know, back here then. So when we found out we were moving back here, I'm like, all right, getting back into the Strider scene. Of course, I'm on the far western end of Strider, I guess, territory. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, it's it's still so hard to escape anything that you all do out here. And so, I mean, I definitely think it's a great opportunity and a great engage great time to engage with other people and have a, have a good time. But so I want to thank Thomas so much for coming on. Uh, you know, we'll make, I'll tag, uh, I'll have a link for Tidewater Striders. You know, like you said, they've got all kinds of racing opportunities. You don't even have to live in Hampton roads to come participate. Uh, these are races that are great for, for people all around, but Thomas, thank you so much for, for stopping by and, and having a chat with us today. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. What a conversation I was able to have in this episode with Thomas as we explored what it looked like for him to, to overcome these obstacles, right? We see these things that happened over the course of Thomas's life, the things that he has responded to, and especially when you look and when we look at this nature of, of the disease that he has, this multiple sclerosis, uh, that the way in which he has been able not to think about how it hinders him from doing what he loves, but how it continues to encourage him to move forward to continue to become the best runner he can so much so that you heard and 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 that I, I reiterate again the fact that he ran the shamrock marathon in 255 friends that is i mean that's not a slow marathon for for reference i can't even run a marathon that quickly not that i consider myself fast but but thomas as com is competing and doing things uh, at a level that is just phenomenal, including finishing the Boston Marathon this year. And, you know, it, another amazing thing to run a marathon, to run 26.2 miles, to do it in, in less than three hours like he did at Shamrock. All of these things showing again and again the resolve that we can have. But the thing that we learn here is it also comes with the nature of taking care of ourselves. And I think that that is something that Thomas has learned over the course of his life and his journey with multiple sclerosis. And so as we think about it, as we think about what we take from this episode, I want you to take that nature in which we continue to progress forward in the face of what may feel like is beating us down in life, right? Thomas talks about the COVID pandemic and having to continue to put on races and do all of these things to help continue to keep this nature of activity front and center for folks who wanted to do it. And he names the resolve that he had from MS as one of the driving factors that never give up attitude. And so I encourage you, as you're thinking about self-care, never give up on it. Allow it to be a part of your life. Make it a priority because at the end of the day, that is what is going to help drive you forward. And that is the nature of building this theology of self-care that helps us to move forward. And so I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for, for allowing me to speak to you, to have this conversation with Thomas, for you to take, uh, to hear about. Don't forget to check out those show notes. It's going to have, um, 
some of Thomas's information, a link to Striders if you want to see some of the cool things that Thomas does for this running community. Also, it has a link to the Active Faith community on Facebook, a place where we come together to support and encourage one another in our self-care journeys. And as we continue to move forward, hopefully that continues to build upon itself and we continue to do work there, as well as the social media for the podcast at Active Faith Pod. I have been gone for a couple of weeks, just a little background for me. I had a stomach bug during Holy Week. I know, pastor, getting sick during Holy Week, that sounds awful. It was, but I made it through, thanks to God's grace. Uh, I made it to Easter and got through that, and then I took some time for vacation following Easter, so that's why there was no episode last week. I want to thank you for the grace that you all gave me, uh, maybe in going back and listening to some of the other some of those other episodes, um, but I'm going to try and be better about social media moving forward. I've got some stuff coming out on the website, hopefully some stuff that we can engage in. And so I want you to check out all of that stuff at Active Faith Pod, Facebook and Instagram, activefaithpod.com is our website. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to this podcast. If you are not subscribed, then then you might miss an episode. You might be missing this episode. So go subscribe so that this podcast episode hits your feeds as soon as they are available, all the new episodes. Uh, and, and really, please, if you can help, just hop on over Apple Podcasts. I know not everybody has an Apple device, but it's one of the only ones that I found that has rating and reviews. Go over on Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating and review. I will read it the episode. Friends, it just helps others know how awesome, how much you're enjoying this podcast so that they can find the podcast, continue to grow in their self-care themselves. And you know what? Even more than anything, if you, if you, if you can't subscribe, if you, if you can't follow, uh, if, you, if you don't want to leave a rating and review, that's fine. Maybe just share it. Share it with a friend. Share it with family. Share it on your social media. If you share it and you tag the podcast, I'll give you a shout out. What better way to, to, to feel good than to get a shout out from, from, a, from an awesome podcast? And so please share it and invite others to listen. And now may God bless each of us and may we find ways to stay active in and for God's kingdom. Amen.